0: Dr. Maya Matarek is at the forefront of innovative therapies for those with autism spectrum disorder. Combining her skills in engineering and her passions in helping people, she has worked for over 20 years to improve human quality of life. To improve human life, she has created human centered technologies, including socially assistive robots for those with ASD and anxiety.
1: I was interested in AI before. The rest of the world was interested in ai so when i was in college which was a long time ago um but i was interested in ai for behavior in the real world which is robotics and so i got involved in robotics but it wasn't really until about now almost 20 years ago that i got interested in uh, and, and passionate about making robotics help people in the real world as soon as possible and those people being specifically individuals with special needs so with differences um, and that ended up separating me from the vast majority of people in robotics mm-hmm. uh, back then and still today. And so, you know, we ended up starting a new field, socially assisted robotics. And uh, it's been incredibly rewarding to work with amazing students and, and collaborators and, and to see it really grow into something that, you know, hopefully will get increasingly out to real people out in the real world. And so so that's why I really would say that I started being passionate when we created this field, not not because there was something already available. And I think that's really important because I, I talk to a lot of young people who don't know what to do, they don't know what to do with their futures, and they're not sure that there is something out there that, that they, they really want to do, and my answer is, sometimes there, there isn't, and you have to make it. We've been working on this for 20 years, and the idea is simply, how can you create machines that actually help people, as opposed to machines that you can create just because you can or because they're entertaining or would sell. Um, And so, you know, the way I got into it is by actually talking to families uh, with members on the spectrum and, you know, really understanding their needs and trying to find something that would help. And there are many ways of helping. There's so many because the need arises not just for the individuals on the spectrum, but also for their families, you know, for the parents, you know, for, for the caregivers, you know, for school districts, so much so for therapists. And so I think this really, it's a wonderful field because... Now, finally, we have people who are developing all kinds of different technology. To your question about where do we see robots, the specifically important thing about robots for autism, and I mean socially assistive robots, not to be confused with functional robots that can, you know, that are like an autonomous car or something that moves things around. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about socially assistive. So it helps people through social interactions. So, how does that happen? Well, in autism in particular, Many, many individuals suffer from atypical social behavior and, and social skills. And so that's a particularly nice area because social, socially assisted robots and social skills. But you can still say, well, why don't we just do it with screens, right? Because obviously it's easier to do something on a phone or on a screen than, than it is with a physically uh, present robot, even though the robots now are quite cheap and cute and, mm-hmm. you know, not what people think of as a, as a robot in general. Uh, But the reason that we need to do it with a physical robot is because that engages the user's brain much more, whether the user is on the spectrum or not. And so, because we've worked with many other populations as well. And so we really want something that's going to be available to people, be affordable, uh, be co-present and actually be effective. And because we know from neuroscience that a physically embodied agent like a robot is more effective, Mm -hmm. that's why.
0: It's very interesting because you mentioned earlier on in your response um, that all these people are building robots and engineering for entertainment and just to provide for the consumers and um, like supply and demand kind of thing. But you guys are genuinely doing something that's helpful to a community of people. And that's very, very cool. Uh,
1: People develop things that they can support right so that's one of the issues is that you see robotics being developed for places where um, they can get resources to develop them because they will sell I think what's very poorly understood is in general the scale of the autism community Um, and so not to think of it as a market but to think of it as a need um, and to understand how much can be done and I think that's just lost that it's yet to be understood and it's generally true for such a large number of communities that are just not they're not noticed and they should be But the question is whether they're helping someone physically or socially so most robots help people physically it makes sense they are physical machines Mm -hmm. Uh, but this idea that the understanding that physically doing work is not the only way you can help people and for some people the social part is so much more needed Mm -hmm. Um, and understanding that and understanding that there's great value in, in robotics for that as well that's the part that's lost in most people still but we need to change that yeah, so the, the main benefits revolve around the fact that when it comes to behavior change of any kind, but especially um, in autism, it takes a lot of practice, right? We all understand that practice is needed and no matter how much time people can get with you know well-meaning but highly, highly exhausted family members uh, and caregivers and with therapists that are expensive and you have to get to them and back and so on, it's not enough. And so really creating opportunities for individuals on the spectrum to practice those skills and get, you know, get more and more training in a pleasant, almost game like way. That's what's needed. Um, So that's the goal. The goal is to create this technology, which serves in a, you know, in a kind of a multifaceted role. Um, It is a helper. It's a therapist, but it's also a friend. It's a buddy. It's something that's available at any time to take opportunities in order to help at any time, not just, you know, these fixed times, very few times. A week and so on um, and in that role it also in some ways helps to unburden parents right parents are working so very hard and sometimes they just want to take 20 minutes break and they would like to know for those 20 minutes that their child is doing something that's actually you know good for them yet not uh, not hated by them mm-hmm. so things like that the robot really fills a role of missing social peers because mm-hmm. unfortunately many children on the spectrum don't have enough other human friends because other kids won't play with them mm. because there's discrimination. And so, this is something that, you know, until um, that improves, this is something to fill the gap. Uh, so, that's the idea. The idea is to increase opportunities for practice and learning and training um, and to remove some of the, you know, loneliness and so on.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That- what about adults with autism?
1: Yeah, so I think that's a really good question because people tend to focus on children with autism, but they don't, mm-hmm. you know, because that somehow seems more compelling. But in yeah. fact, you know, of course, those children grow up to be adults and then what? Yeah, um, exactly. And largely, yeah, and they're largely forgotten and neglected. And so I think, I think there's a large intersection between what what is done with children with autism and what can be done with, for adults with autism You still with, with socially assisted robots. You still want to create opportunities for practicing skills, and you still want to provide that companionship and support. And so that's not any different. What's different is the specific content of skills being taught, Um, and that is kind of the least of it. So that can always be, for example, we have discussed with some people about how you might help... um, young adults with autism learn how to do job interviews. So whether they're learning how to do job interviews and and learning how to make eye contact, or whether they're kids and they're learning to make eye contact when they're taking turns, you know, that's not really that different. Um, So that's my point. My point is that it really does cut across ages because everyone can use a a helpful companion anytime.
0: But since autism is a spectrum, um, how can you adapt each robot to accommodate
1: each child. It's using machine learning to identify what specifically describes the needs of a particular child and then giving them more support in that area, right? And there are many different approaches for that. So there's no, there's no specific way to say it. It, it. There's so many different things. And some of those are being used, for example, in good intelligent tutoring systems, where the tutoring system can figure out kind of how hard of a problem it should give you. Right, Um, but that's just scratching the surface. We're interested more in things like, how can I give you support and reward so that you keep going even if you're not doing well Mm -hmm. um, and keep you motivated if you're doing well so you don't get bored? And how can I teach you social things in addition to cognitive things? Because in in a typical learning environment, you learn both. So when you're answering Mm -hmm. a question from a teacher, you're not only learning the subject material, learning how to listen, wait for your turn, make eye contact, you know, all of that social stuff that's built in. So all mm-hmm. of that gets brought in. So it's, yeah, and all of that gets personalized, right? So yeah. if your child is having a problem where the user is having a problem with something, then the, the robot notices that and then works on that as opposed to something that they're very good at and you don't really wanna emphasize that, right? So there are all kinds of there are all kinds of ways that you can apply to intelligence systems and machine learning and AI to make this better. Um, and that's what's exciting, that these are hard problems, but there's a lot of promise.
0: That's so fascinating. That's very cool.
1: This, this idea that the robot is going to figure out what each individual user needs. So that's very important because a lot of machine learning today is still about uh, learning a lot from a lot of people, but not personalizing to each individual. And in Mm. autism, we really personalize to each individual because that's because each individual is uh, unique along many dimensions compared to some other um, challenges and, and wellness and health challenges that people have. There are many different approaches in machine learning, right? There are many different methods. And so that's what's exciting because we have used many different methods, even in one system that we deployed and left in the homes of kids with autism. We used like four different methods of machine learning in order to figure out different things like you know, is this person paying attention? Well, what does it mean to be paying attention? For some kids, it's eye contact. For other Mm -hmm. kids, they're looking out of the corner of their eye. So attention is a complex thing. So just determining attention means learning a model of the the child. Then figuring out how much feedback to give them because um, if you're doing well, you may like a lot of feedback, you might not like a lot of feedback, it depends. So you need a personalized model of feedback. Then you need a personalized model of challenge, right? Some people, in particular it seems to have to do with personality some type personality types like a harder challenge than others mm-hmm. so there's just a lot of things to learn and adapt to for each individual and it turns out it means that it might use very different kinds of machine learning methods right like there's reinforcement learning then there are, you know there are all kinds of styles of learning and it's important to to understand that there is no one size fits all sometimes people in machine learning like to choose their favorite tool and then they think that'll solve everything and Autism is a great example where there is no one-size-fits-all for anything at all.
0: Would you consider applying for a patent on these robots that people could purchase them um, and have access, so everyone could have access to them? That is
1: such a lovely question. (laughs) Um, I've already started a company that was very heavily backed by investors, but investors didn't want to make it about autism because they think that's a niche market. They want to make products that will sell to everybody and make more money. So the idea of doing a patent and quote making a company is really not that simple. Um, investors are very conservative and they're only interested in making a lot of money. They want to make a profit and they want to make it quickly. And so that's why you don't see a lot of companies for things that really help sub-communities like right. autism, like stroke, um, like anxiety. It's because Unless it's software like apps. Everyone can make an app and then, you know, a lot of apps don't work, right? Right. Some do, but most don't. Uh, But apps are cheap to make, relatively speaking. Everything else is more expensive, so you don't see a lot of it because the thing is you see, uh, you know, autonomous driving, millions of potential users. Autism, people don't see that as, as, you know, a lucrative market. And so investors don't want to put money into it. So Mm -hmm. the idea of starting a company, not only has it occurred to me, I've done it. Yeah. but i've seen what happens when that's... you do that right so it's very very hard it's probably easier to do a nonprofit or something like that and uh, the community has to get very vocal mm-hmm. in order to get investors to actually back work in this area
0: that's very unfortunate it's, it's sad yeah
1: yeah now i'm i'm a researcher in academia so i have really the honor and the pleasure to work at all kinds of problems right because mm-hmm. i don't have to worry about making someone a lot of money Um, Mm -hmm. and that is I know that's a privilege Um, but yeah how do we get from what we know would work to getting it to real people yeah that's the challenge the challenge is not in making it work we can make it work yeah it already works (laughs) someone has to put some serious money towards it with the understanding that it's worth it I do believe that as younger generations learn more and more about computing And learn more about robotics that's an excellent path forward because we can open source and make a lot of things free Mm -hmm. um and then you can get a platform and then the main thing is who is going to program the robot it takes it takes a combination of understanding autism and having therapist input and all of that but i think it's coming it's coming i'm very i'm very optimistic of course always
0: yeah that's what leads to my next question is um what are you most excited for of the future of socially assistive robots?
1: Well, I am just always, always really excited by the ideas that my students bring to the table. Um, young people have the best sense of what's going on because they're living through, you know, the new realities and the right. new challenges. And I think that's that's just really infinitely refreshing. So if you asked me, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, well, no, let's say 25 years ago, if, what was I going to be doing five years hence? I didn't know that we were gonna do this, but once we discovered the need, we have continued in this field. And so I'm never going to pivot out of it. It's exciting to me, for example, that right now we're very interested in trying to do some good around anxiety and depression because it cuts across many things, including autism.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: affecting so many people, so many young people, all people, but in particular young people. And so, so we're very motivated. So now that's a new direction that I didn't have maybe five years ago, but I have it now. And I'm excited to see what my students and I will do with that. And so yeah. that's always, I think the most exciting thing, it's always young people. What I do think will happen also, practically speaking, is that the need becomes ever more obvious. That creates a market. Materials are getting cheaper. Everything around robotics could get cheaper. Although right now it's not cheap, because right now processors are expensive because of all the unrest in the world. Right. Things that could be cheaper are more expensive which is really unnecessary and unfortunate. Yeah. Um, But I'd like like to think we'll get over it, or one hopes, or somebody will invent something cheaper. (laughs) But um, it's just, it's so close to doing a lot of good that Mm -hmm. I feel that, well, one way or another, they'll get it out there. We have to.
0: Yes, exactly. Uh, What do you have to say for girls wanting to pursue a career in STEM?
1: My main piece of advice is, Don't let anyone tell you you can't do it. You have to believe in yourself because you can do it. But the way you will believe in yourself is to pick someone else to help. So Mm -hmm. autism is a great example. Um, I remember having a student now more more than, I think, more than 10 years ago for sure. She was an undergraduate and she, no, she's a high schooler. And she waited for a long time to get to talk to me after some talk. And then she came up to me. And she just said, everybody else was like, I've done this and this and this and I want to get in your lab. And she just waited and waited and waited and she was the last one. And then she just said, I have autism and I will do anything to get into your lab. Aww. And what do you think got into my lab? She Aww. did. And she did amazing things. But the point was, it was that commitment and it was about helping others. There's so many people who will come to me and say, I have these amazing skills in machine learning and i will come into your lab and i will do amazing things and i'm not interested in that what will you do for someone else if you come in and tell me that you will do something for someone else that resonates when you're fighting for someone else that's when you have all the confidence so that's my advice my advice is find someone to help and that will drive you and you will do great
0: that's amazing i love that thank you so much Making the world a better place one robot at a time, Dr. Metarik empowers. She not only empowers children with ASD, but she empowers her students, and most importantly, women. I am so excited to see the future of socially assistive technology, and Dr. Metarik is truly an inspiration for us all.